Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. Who's heard of the, the Beatitude? Bless for they will be called children of God. Reverse that around. If we're children of God, we are peacemakers. That is Jesus' will for us, that we live as peacemakers. So we'll unpack that today. The what of peacemaking. This is the vision of a relational faith. We've got a relationship with our Heavenly Father, a relationship with God, a relationship with each other, and we have a relationship with ourselves, don't we, in God revealing his will to us in all of that. So we have uh, an opportunity. Maybe let's, let's open in a little bit more prayer. So, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that we come here to worship you, but we worship you, Lord, 168 hours a week. That's the opportunity. But we thank you, Lord, that as we gather, we can be your church. We have a place we can belong. You've made a place for us to belong. You've made a place for all to be included, Lord. That is your church. And it's a place that we can grow, Lord. You've made a place for us to grow, for us to grow, to be safe, and Lord, out of that safety, out of that sanctuary, that we can feel free to grow. And Lord, you have then given us the chance to minister, to, to do ministry in, in your name. And, and you, you call us hum, humble people hum, and, and sinners, Lord, uh, to into this opportunity to, to do your work. And uh, we can do that work in our families, in our workplaces, in our communities and beyond, Lord. So we're just so grateful, Lord, for this this cosmic vision that you've, you've created. And we're just so thankful, Lord, for Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to share with you a story. 19th of February, it was a Friday, 3.10 p.m. I'm driving home from my school chaplaincy work, um, uh, Great Eastern Highway, and I'm tired. So I start to, I'm thinking... When I get tired on the road, I pull over and I have a nap. And I've got a little procedure that I do to keep myself safe. So as I, I go to indicate left, within a few seconds, I'm feeling, you know, something's not quite right. I go, turn left, and I turn in front of a cyclist. And very fortunately, the cyclist saw it. He rounded the corner with me. He was not happy. Uh, and you know when your life changes kind of in, in, a, in an instant? It was one of those moments where I thought, in the moment I had confusion, fear, I didn't know what was going on, I was tired, not, not at my best. I tried to stop it, he, this, this cyclist kept going. I couldn't, he, he, was, he was fine. But just, just a moment. You know, I think of my time at Fremantle Port Authority years ago. I used to get a, a, a lovely man, a quadriplegic, who had the same... He was quadri a quadriplegic because of the same issue. He hit a car. I could have maimed or killed this man. And I, I wondered, you know, I, for, the, for the moments after that, the minutes and the hours after that, the days after that, I was dogged. Do you ever have that time in your, when you can't get something out of your head? And you feel like you, you are completely consumed mentally. It's anxiety. I thought, I thought it's only a matter of time before the police knock on my door because I've, I've, I've broken the law. I could lose my license. I could lose my job. And then 
I'm forgetting all about this, this man. You know, what, what if? And even just the, the, the fact that he'd been, he'd, he'd been, he'd had this encounter. The funny thing in all of this is days after day after day, and as I started to wonder, what are you doing in this, God? Started to recognise something that was, was happening. Suddenly, I'd been reminded of my need of mercy because I'd forgotten it. I had been several years wondering what was wrong with my heart, you know, following God and that sort of thing, but it, the heart had become a bit calloused. There was a bit of compassion fatigue. There was a bit of not, not being uh, treated right and those sorts of things that had got to my heart. In Proverbs 4, 23, you know, guard your heart. You know, my heart was hurt. And yet, as I considered Psalm 51, my sin is ever before me. God had shown me my sin is ever before me. His mercy was, was great. And I had struggled with forgiveness in this four, five, six-year period, having got forgiveness big time 18 years ago. And I mean, I really got forgiveness in a big way. And I know that God had a, had a plan in, in all of that to show me that forgiveness is not always easy, is it? You can struggle for year after year and you, you just want to forgive. You want to get there, but you, you can't. The first scripture verse I want to share with you is this ministry of reconciliation that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 5. I'm going to read from uh, verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. The key verse, verse 16. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we, regarded, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer, and therefore, if anyone, anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. Now, this is set in the, in the context of believer to believer, but if we're thinking of anybody can come to faith, can't they? I think of the story of Johnny Lee Clary. You know, Johnny Lee Clary, who was a Ku Klux Klan imperial wizard, and the Reverend Wade Watts. And he hounded this minister, burned down churches, this, that, and the other. And the Reverend Wade Watts always kept a soft heart, always, I love you, Johnny. I love you, Johnny. Johnny Lee Clary became a Christian. And he preached on fire for God for 30 years before he died. An imperial wizard, a, 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 like a minister of hate, comes to God and, and spreads the gospel because of the love of one, one man. Now, verse, uh, verse 18, all of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry, gave us this ministry. I want to hold on to that gave us this ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Mercy. And he has committed, us, committed to us the message of reconciliation. He, he's committed this to us. He's given us this message of reconciliation that we would carry this message of reconciliation wherever we go. We are therefore Christ ambassadors. How humbling is that? As though God were making his appeal through us with the hands and feet of Jesus. 
We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the hope in our hearts, isn't it? That we can continue to become the righteousness of God. We have this ministry. We need to always remember that all bear Christ's image. All bear Christ's image. Even those we who harm us. Even those who have no other, no other motive but to, to harm us or harm others or, or do, do wrong. You know, we, in, in, our, in our day, we've got a problem in some ways with the whole concept of forgiveness that we need to do forgiveness for our own peace. You know, this, this quote I, I found, uh, today I decided to forgive you, not because you apologised or because you acknowledged the pain that you caused me, but because my soul deserves peace. Sounds good, doesn't it? But it misses it misses, it misses the point. We, and this is what I want to unpack. We're not saying that our soul doesn't deserve peace. It does. But the peace is already done. The peace is already done. It's about living in that. Living in that. You know, I love this uh, quote by Fred Rogers. Who, who, who went and saw the movie, the Fred Rogers movie, a couple of years ago, A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood? Uh, very... Uh, much more known, I guess, in the US, but uh, Fred Rogers, incredible heart. He says that love isn't a state of perfect caring. Love isn't a state of perfect caring. It is an active noun like struggle, like struggle. To love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is here and now. That's the struggle, isn't it? struggle it's a struggle to love each and every person and yet rogers gave his life to invest into children that they wouldn't hurt others and they wouldn't hurt themselves and that is essentially the message of peacemaking that we would have the tools not to hurt or harm others and that we wouldn't hurt or harm ourselves because sometimes we can we can we can be nice christians can't we we can absorb the hurts and then they don't do us any good if we, if we, we absorb it, we take it in and then it kind of hurts, us, hurts, hurts ourselves and we, we need to just bear that in mind. In this day and age, we have the hashtag me too, hashtag church too age, we have the Royal Commission, so much pressure on the church, so much um, scrutiny on this whole concept of forgiveness. The world is more bent on justice these days than what it was 10 or 20 years ago. Forgiveness is, is a hard thing to talk about, harder thing to talk about than it used to be. But I want to say this. While we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus made peace, didn't he? He made peace on the cross for us. Four words out of, the, out of, out of James's letter. Verse 2.13, four words, mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment mercy triumphs over judgment i can tell you now i have lived in the place of not really knowing it not really being honest about it but living in the place of judgment for a while and it send it's it just sends us to frustration and yet mercy mercy opens up the gates of our hearts 
It's a beautiful thing. So that is the what. That is the vision of a relational faith. This is the faith that we're invited to live. So the what, the when, the when. The rubber needs to hit the road at some point, doesn't it? Our Christianity needs to have, have some works about it. It needs to come out. I think if, there, if we were going to uh, think about Christian faith as a competency, if you're any trainers in this room, any workplace trainers, it's a competency. What is a great competency of the Christian faith? It is speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love is so important, isn't it? And it's so hard to do. It takes so much wisdom. It takes courage to speak the truth. And to do so in love takes great emotional intelligence to speak the truth in love. So we're not peace-faking. We're not denying that there's a conflict. We're not, not denying there's an issue. We're not peace-breaking. We're not going to... We're not letting truth have its way and no love because we're tempted to go both ways. And this is a continual uh, knife edge we stand on between peace-faking and peace-breaking. Peace-faking of escape, you know, escaping and not, not dealing with conflict, sweeping it under the carpet. Or peace-breaking of, of, of saying, no, my way or the highway is such a hard thing to do. Keep that, keep that, uh, keep that straight, uh, narrow path. There's a book called Crucial Conversations. Anybody heard of the book called Crucial Conversations? Come out about 10 years ago now. Talks about those situations where there are strong emotions, high stakes, high win or lose. Someone's going to win or someone's going to lose. And there's opposing opinions. So we've got different views. Did you know that if you're coming into a meeting with somebody, you're dealing with conflict and you, you're scared, you're thinking, this could go anywhere. And it usually breaks in the first few minutes, doesn't it, if it's going to break. The first few minutes, if only we devote a little bit of time to setting the scene, well, we're safe here. We believe in each other. We've got this, there's more here than just this issue. We love each other. We're here for each other. Let's get something that works for us both. It's this whole idea of creating safety, creating a, a, a way forward where we can stop the, the heart thumping out of our chest, stop the, you know, we, we're, never, we're never at our strength, at our strongest when we're, when we're like that, are we? We're at our best when we can relate with people and we feel like we are, we're, we're, we're comfortable. Talking earlier about Micah 6.8, you know, walking humbly with our God, going into these situations with our, our conflicts, walking in humbly uh, and, and, and not, ex- not expecting too much, but going in humbly and going in relationally, going in because this other person is a, is a child of God. They are, they are made in the image of God as well, aren't they? No, empathise. There are two key tools I want to share with you today around apology because I've found, I know that in my adult daughter's lives, the, the tool of apology has been just so important just to maintain relationships because we're always, there's always capacity to offend people, isn't there? And sometimes we don't even know we've offended people. But if someone comes to us and says, look, there's a problem here, if we've only got the, just the, the humility and the courage to sit in that moment, if we can admit that we're wrong, if we can say sorry, 
if we can accept the consequences, maybe there's a breakage in trust for a little bit. You know, we can hold that tension. We can ask for forgiveness. This is, this is putting ourselves at the other person's mercy. What a gift that is to the other person to be invited. Look, it's up to you. You don't, don't, you don't have to forgive me, but I'm, I'm requesting it. And then altering our behaviour. That, you know, a lot of the time people need to see some signs that we're, we're fair dinkum. We're, we're actually really, we're really going to change. We're really going to challenge it. Um, Gary Chapman, Love Languages Books also has a book called The Languages of Apology. And I found out in my marriage, I'm an I'm sorry sort of person. I speak the languages, the languages of uh, I'm sorry. Sarah speaks the language of do you understand? So I, I was struggling for a few years to think, I'm saying my sorries and they're not good enough. But she wanted to know that I truly understood, which is, which is really, really important, isn't it? And there's three other languages. Some people want to see that you make things right. All right, if you've done something wrong, make it right. Restitution. Isn't it the fourth language is repentance? If, if, you're going to, if you've done that, don't, just don't do it again. Please don't do it again. Learn from your mistake. So there's a, the language of repentance. And the other one is forgiveness. Some people need to hear, I, can, can you forgive me? So having all of those languages, these are tools for apology that are essential in maintaining our relationships. Really, really good. Now, the other tool I want to share with you, and I'm not, this is not just about tools, but there's a pause principle. Sometimes, you know, when you're in conflict and you think to yourself, uh, oh, I don't know about you, but it's the heart thumping, it's the head bumping, it's the, it's, oh, what am I doing here? to pause to pray for wisdom. How often do, do we do that? Most of the time we don't do that. We normally leap off into flight or fight. But to, to, have, to have the thought that, God, I need your help here, right now. Help me, help me even to compose myself that maybe my, a stronger version of me might come out and not harm this other person, not harm myself. The, the, so that's a P, this is a P-A-U-S-E, pause principle, we call, we call it in, in peacemaking language. The A is to affirm the relationship, how important it is to affirm the relationship, as I said before, that we are, it, the, our relationship matters more than any particular issue. We can negotiate anything, given that premise. And the U, to understand the interests of the other person, not just their position or their opinion, come down to the interests why do they want what they want? If we step into their shoes, we've got a chance to understand why they want what they want, which is, again, it's empathising, isn't it? Paul says in Galatians uh, 6.1, you who live by the Spirit should restore the person gently. The fruit of gentleness. The fruit of gentleness is, is kindness, isn't it? When we're gentle, we're being kind. When we're gentle, we're being patient. And when we're gentle, we have graciousness about us as well. Gentleness is such a challenge, isn't it? Especially in conflict when, when we're not at our best. So the what, which is the vision. The when, which is when the rubber hits the road, because it has to hit the road at some point. We need to operationalise this faith, don't we? It's not just words. And then the third is, is the how. The how, the, pr the process, the procedure. How do we do this? How do we do this peacemaking uh, process? 
Um, if we go to Psalm 139, 23 and 24, um, Psalm 139 is just such a, a great psalm. A psalm of David. I don't know about you, but I love the psalms. Studied the psalms. Have written uh, articles on all of the psalms, all 150 of the psalms. I just love the psalms. And yet... Only in the last couple of years have I used these golden verses. Psalm 139, 23 and 24 is the prayer. It's the prayer that we need to be praying all the time. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I remember 2016, 2017, doing a lot of ministry through City Church of Christ, a homeless ministry on a Saturday, uh, Saturday night. We'd spend an hour in prayer beforehand, get our hearts right. It's this kind of prayer, Lord, show me because I don't see it all right. Give me insight. Show me inside myself. Where is... Where is there anything that's offensive to you? Do I have any callousness in my, in my heart? Prepare my heart for these vulnerable people who I'm going to minister to and who I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, a humble person, that they are elevated and it's not about me. It's not about my hurts, my burdens and that sort of thing. This prayer, Psalm 139, 23 and 24, is the humility to face ourselves. It's the honesty that when... We can only put God first when we're honest. And to be honest, as a, as a conflict coach, as people would come to me and say, can, I, can you help me with this conflict? And to conflict coach them, this is the chief aim of a conflict coach is to help the person, doesn't sound very good, but help the person get the log out of their own eye. Because we're being equipped. We have nothing in the toolbox unless we can see the log in our own eye. It's suddenly everything opens up. I don't know, have you ever experienced that when you know you've, you've, you've felt this unction of the Holy Spirit, there's something that I can do to put this thing right. You can take responsibility from there. The psychologist would call it an internal locus of control. Locus, L-O-C-U-S. An internal locus of control that says, I can do something. I have power in this situation. I mightn't have all power, but if I have an external locus of control, the problem's over there, and, and I can only blame. I can only put it over there, and where's the power? I've lost all power, and there's nothing of the gospel in that. I also need to recognise that we all have desires. Many of us have had really, really good desires, but if we have desires that, that say, I must have this this particular way at this particular time becomes a demand. The desire becomes a demand and straight away we're into an attitude of judgment. And that attitude of judgment comes out as a behaviour of punishment. Attitude of judgment, behaviour of punishment and we're like that. Richard Raw, Catholic theologian, talks a lot about the dualistic mind, the non-dualistic mind, the dualistic mind. What he's talking about is you watch yourself. We flash off in 30 seconds to judgment all the time. We're always, we're always doing it. And the, the beauty of just seeing that is say, wow, God, thank you. Thank you that, that I see it. Because there's no, there's no condemnation, is there? There's no condemnation that we, we have that kind of heart. But to see it is power. 
to be able to see it is power. You know, the, the power of saying, what wrong have I done in this situation? Where have I missed the mark? Equips us to resolve our conflicts. You know, at the end of the day, relationships have no chance. Our relationships have no chance if, unless I'm prepared to work on me. I have to work on me. And yet, you know, sometimes there could be a conflict. You're only 30% in the wrong. Your contribution's 30%, 10%. What is God asking? We take 100% of our 10%, 100% of our 30%. You imagine the power of going to the other person saying, look, I, I would just want to acknowledge this particular thing. You're hoping, perfect world, that the other person might have, might have some insight themselves. doesn't always happen. But this is how God wants us to live with hope that we can make change in our own, in, in our own lives that can, can ripple into others' lives. You'll all be aware of the, uh, the verses in 1 John 1, 8 to 10. I love the clarity of John, you know, the letters of John. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. I've had times in my life when I haven't seen my sin. And it's done me no good. It's done my relationships no good. And it's not the power of God. There's no, no power of God in that. At the end of the day, we can't be healthy Christians. We can't be healthy people unless we do this, unless we... We take. And you imagine the gift it is to all the others that are in our lives. If we have the capacity to see our own contributions, it's power within, it's power in all our relationships, and it's God-pleasing. Okay, so we've done the, the what, the when, and the how. We come to the why. The why is that we have to live to glorify God that our living, breathing, everything we do is a, an act of worship to glorify God and this drives the vision, it drives the what. So being pragmatic about glorifying God, going to uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy. Paul has spent a long time in chapters 1 to 11 to really elegantly and correctly just put the gospel out there and to explain it so well in Romans 1 to 11. And then, on to, then into 12, he's saying, okay, the rubber hits the road here. In view of God's mercy, offer your, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind insight again psychologists would call it insight psychiatrists would call it insight how much insight has the patient got then these three words so the renewing of our minds our minds we've got insight we can see within god's shown us he's revealed what's going on through this psalm 139 23 and 24 prayer then you will, then you will be able 
to test and approve what God's will is. You'll be able to see God's will. You'll be able to then move out of God's will, won't you? Mobilized, mobilized for the for the for the gospel. The gospel is a gospel of peace. And the gospel of peace says that there is there's an opportunity in conflict. Do any of us go, yes, I'm in conflict. Praise the Lord. You know, imagine getting to that. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like there wouldn't be any fear. And I know for me, I'm, I'm more the peace faker than the peace breaker. I just want to be the nice guy. I don't want to upset people. Even if it means speaking the truth, I'll, I'll, I'll pull, pull back from that. Imagine there is an opportunity. There are opportunities in conflict to glorify God, to be kind to others, and to, be, to grow to be more like Jesus. I'm not sure if you've heard of the term amygdala hijack. Amygdala hijack happens in our brains. Amygdala is a very small part of our brain. But it, when we are threatened, we flash off into fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Four trauma responses. These are from the mammalian or the lizard, the lizard brain. You know, a lizard will just not think even, they just go and grab their food. They, they, they just zip, you know. That, but we human beings, us mammals, have this, this prefrontal cortex, this strong brain. And, you know, if we only pause when, when we are threatened, we pause for a minute or two, a few seconds even, this part of the brain kicks in. Isn't it wonderful that God has created this, this in us to pray, to stop, pause, pray, and use our biology, use our psychology, use the physiology of our, of our minds to help us through prayer. When we're threatened, look up. Look up. Now, I'm going to finish on this. And we're probably still a couple of minutes away. I just want to just... The main reason for glorifying God, Jesus said, when he called the disciples, he said, come, follow me. Come, follow me. The Jews, the, the rabbis, the disciples of rabbis would follow closely behind their rabbis. They would want to get the, the dust of their rabbis onto them. They would want to hang on every word, absorb all the teaching. And yet Jesus has said, follow me. But he said, follow my ways. Not just follow me, but follow my ways. On the final night that Jesus was betrayed, a quarter of John's gospel, chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, is devoted to one night of the three-year ministry of Jesus. John 13, John 15, John 17, Jesus mentions a new commandment I give you. A new commandment I give you. Love one another. Love one another and therefore anybody who sees you loving one another, especially in conflict, especially when, because life is messy, isn't it? We're always in conflict. We're always in conflict with ourselves. We're in conflict with others. Love one another 
as I have loved you, and then the whole world will know you're my disciples. Can you imagine the beacon that the church is, when the church is not harmonious with our conflict, but harmonious because of conflict, that we show that in our workplaces, in our families, if we do conflict well, we're humble. Imagine the power. I do a lot of marriage counselling, and just imagine the power of reaching in over one another I want to love you more no I want to love you more rather than no you've got to do this for me I've got to do this for you that's what we need more of that don't we so Jesus said love one another and in this way we are more of the being we're more human beings rather than human doings you know we love one another because it's right we love one another because it's right. As Jesus said in those, in those Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And that is what we are. And that's a beautiful thing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, are just so in awe of you. We are so grateful for the opportunity to come and worship. And the songs we've sung today have, have helped us to connect our, our weary hearts, our, our hearts that are awry, our hearts that are troubled, to your broader love, your, your incredible love. We're so thankful, Lord, that we can be reconnected with the truth in these moments. That you came, you came to, to live to teach, to heal, but ultimately to die on a cross for each one of us, Lord. 2,000 years ago, well before we were even conceived. We're thankful, Lord, that there is life in abundance for us to live into when we come back to the cross, when we come back to the resurrection, the life that comes out of that. I want to thank you for each and every human being in this auditorium, for this whole church, Lord, the people that aren't here, the people that couldn't be here today. Lord, for those that were here last week, for those who will be here next week, for the churches, Lord, for all who call you God, and for all humanity, Lord, because it's your deep wish that everyone would come to know and acknowledge you, Lord. Everyone will ultimately have to acknowledge you. So, Lord, we, we give you great thanks and praise. We thank you, Lord, for more worship, and more fellowship after the service. And, Lord, when we go out into our lives, that in our families and in our workplaces, and in the communities that we, that we may be part of where there's not so much of the light of Christ that we would be the light, the salt and light of Christ. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.